1: with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms, and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to anfieldindexpro.com and get started today.
2: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest Anfield Index Under Pressure podcast. My name's Dan Kennett, and with me... For the, I've been told by Eddie to mention this: the six thousandth Anfield Index podcast. So there you go, you lucky people. If you, especially if you listen to other the previous five nine nine nine, we welcome you for sticking around. Anyway, we are here, and it's going to be an absolute belter of a six thousand podcast because we are here to discuss the four one win at Brentford, and I have the whole A team with me. Um, I've got Sai. I've got Dr. Barts and I've got Hamza. Um, and Egan Boyce. evening, boys. Evening. How and exciting
3: that? is that? 6,000. Fair play. I know, you gags. must have
2: appeared on at least half of them, say.
1: I was going to say, your <laughs> record be pretty high, sorry.
3: Fair play, gags. I was on the 100th episode of the main pod and the 200th episode of the wow. main pod. Wow. Wow. What's your
4: average and what's your strike rate? Is the key question. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. The only thing, the only thing, the only thing, the only stats I know from um, EP with, with, which I remember is that in the 21-22 season, after we came behind the paywall, the second pods we did, I think, was to do with the League Cup final. I think it was. you know, when we were against that, that season. And it got more it got more audience than Piers Morgan on talk TV. That's our most famous moment, boys. We are more popular than Piers Morgan. Very nice. Anyway.
5: At,
3: at, at some points, we were racking up some serious numbers before the original payroll.
2: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> anyway, we are here and we have both sports, sports signs Odds on tonight, and boy, do we need them because we've been told to start with injuries, it's everything, it's the only thing that everybody wants to talk about. Um, and just before we get to start with injuries, I just want to um give a bit of background to this, and I'm going to take you back to 320 BC and the death of Alexander the Great. So, Alexander, very bear with me, but bear with me, everybody, right? Alexander. Very much the Bill Shankly of his day, uh, one of the greatest strategists ever, built Macedonia into a bastion of invisibility, and he had an empire stretching from Greece to Egypt. But after Alexander's death, there was a, there was a whole series of infights and wars between his, his generals, and it, you know, and and there would be an attack from all sides. It was a bit like Graham Souness, um getting rid of the boot room, and um, some weak succession thereafter, but against this backdrop of infighting um Pyrrhus of Epirus a cousin of Alexander and a neighbor of Macedonia decided to um take on the Romans very much the Manchester City of their day uh, they were causing a lot of trouble on the western side of Alexander's empire so Pyrrhus made some fantastic transfer window signings involving 20 war elephants from Ptolemy of Egypt and then he sailed across the Adriatic and won a crushing victory in southern Italy. And after this, he then decided to march ambitiously on Rome itself. Um, and then he didn't quite get as far as Rome, but he did win a victory at a place called Asculum, which is modern-day Ascolily. But in the process of this, he actually lost nearly all his officer corps. So in the process of actually winning that battle, Rome was but Rome, was, Rome became safe from that point onwards. Pyrrhus had to retreat was ultimately defeated at Benevento and then sailed back to Greece in a couple of years afterwards and he said if i if we are victorious in one more battle against the roman empire then we shall be utterly ruined and that was the phrase that was the, the turn of events that coined the phrase a pyrrhic victory which is a victory at too great a cost so our, my question to you boys is is darwin against brentford our pyrrhic victory because we have a rather long injury list at the back of this match, Sai. is are you saying is is
3: that <laughs> our pyrrhic victory? Is Brentford our pyrrhic victory? No, uh, okay. that that will have come, uh, let's say against
2: Fulham in the Caribou Cup <laughs> or Arsenal in the FA Cup, maybe.
3: No, I, I think the Caribou Cup has had the, the greater cost so far. Yeah. Okay. Like going forward, the the uh, Arsenal game winning against Arsenal is is going to have cost for the rest of the season from now. But up to this point, the, the Caribou run is the thing that's that's created the uh, logjam in fixtures. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I would say it's much earlier. It's it's choosing to play. Um Zobo and uh, in that game, like that would be against Bournemouth yeah, this yeah. season.
2: Yeah. Is
3: it Bournemouth, yeah, yeah, Bournemouth, not Fulham. Yeah, I'm just, I'm literally uh, uh, for for those. You never are, watch any of the games anyway, did you? Say it's garbage. I'm literally looking at the logo and I couldn't tell the
2: difference. <laughs> Fulham, yeah, I see Fulham now. Yeah, it's all that red and white garbage. Yeah, it's just garbage. So I guess in against this in, in this one, we had some bad news right on the on the eve of the game. Uh, with Alison Becker, huge blow that side. Um, do we know what happened to Alison? Uh, Alice has pulled his hamstring in kicking a ball when training, mm. it's um, wet, y'all. Um, we're and we're in England, and it's looking like what pretty much like a month. Last Last time he came back really quickly, but. I heard today maybe he's not going to be back. Last time that. he came
3: back, it was a freak. It was, it, um, but yeah, that was. I, I think that was a three. Let me just look. It was. Less, it was about two weeks. He missed one league game. It was. It was twelve days. He missed yeah. two league games. He missed Fulham and Sheffield United. If I look at this, no, logo. he came. Didn't he come up? Oh no, uh, oh, yeah, he came. Yeah. So he okay. missed a Europa game and then and then Fulham and Sheffield United. Okay.
2: Yeah. So that was the bad news on the turn of the game. Actually, I had a question about this in the in the in the EP Discord chat. When did we switch from not doing any training at all to going back and doing training? Because remember, we were saying about in the December period, we were saying Gomez and um, and Canati and stuff are staying fit because they're not doing any training. In they're just playing matches. So when yeah. did we when did we switch back? To, uh it will have been we'd have had the winter
3: break in January. Yeah. And then we'd have had two trainings, two proper training sessions uh, between Arsenal and Burnley. And then, yeah, so last week we'd have had full
2: training, and this week we'd have had full training. Right. Okay. And then uh, uh, it was just a training ground instance kicking a ball from Ali. But yeah. Yeah. Okay. After so, after Tiago after Tiago was done in top ups uh, against Arsenal. Yeah, you covered that really well on the pod last week. Yeah, that was that was a, that was a that was a tough listen, boys. I have to say, you know, it, you know, listeners to try and you know, going through that and the the whole human element and the wanting to win everything thing and just you know that that's the the context against all 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 of this has to be juxtaposed, isn't it? Yeah, it's the filter you have to run everything through. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, but the first one in this match was um, the worst one, um, Diogo Jota. Um, what was your yeah. first thoughts when you saw yeah. it? second one. first second one was one. CJ. So oh, Jones, was Jesus. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so let's say uh, I mentioned Jota. Let's do Jota first then. Yeah, what, you um, yeah, you, 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 what was your first impressions when you saw it,
6: Barts? Uh Not great. Um, but I had to watch it a few times because the first sort of, you don't really get it on the first couple of angles. You have to wait till they pan round again. But from my point of view, he falls on the side of his knee. Uh, mm. It's one of their big, uh, using a scythe one of their grocs. Norgard. Norgard it, onto his knee. Um, for me, that is going to, that for me, that's a P- MCL uh, strain, whether you want to call it grade one, grade two, we don't know. We haven't got a scan. I, that's what I thought a collateral ligament, ligament damage. Um, I couldn't see the mechanism for cruciate because actually he, the leg isn't fully extended either. When he, when the force goes down through his knee. Hmm. Um, it's only slightly, slightly bent, isn't it? About maybe slightly bent. degrees or something. Yeah. If it was, if it was bent and it caused, um, extension, then maybe uh, some people have said PCR. I just couldn't see the mechanism. For me, it was a sideways, like a force going up the side of a knee, uh, while the other, either end was sort of, uh, fixed, if you like. Um, therefore, Forcing it to go in a direction beyond the scope of that ligament, uh, which for me would cause a sprain of probably grade two, um, but I don't know. You know, the force going yeah. through it, well, I would suggest would be, and the the pain he seemed to be in as well, um, would suggest it was more than just a with a grade one. But I yeah. don't know. You know, that, that's, so that, that was my mission, initial thought. It wasn't cruciate. It was a collateral MCL.
4: And no. so just a quick question A sprain as in just for the layman like myself sprain
6: just sounds sort of like not very serious but as a technical term what does sprain mean so it'd be tear so it'd be, be a it'd be down to the number of fibers torn on that on that ligament yeah so a grade one typically is a few fibers so i'd probably give you the exact amount uh grade two would be more fibers onto another level and three is a complete rupture right I thought it was a two just the level of pain and the force that would have come through from uh, Norgard as you said. Forty-one, grade one. Uh, I would suggest is what Trent might have done at Arsenal in the FA Cup because he played on for the rest of the game. Right. It's a simple, so, I I think that isn't uh, so. Confirmed Trent did a uh, did lateral, didn't he? at Arsenal winning the cup. Uh, medial. Medial. So same same ligament we're talking about. So, say Portuguese media
2: are the ones who've reported PCL. Um, do you what do you see that, or you you you, you had a reserve judgment? Not at all. Yeah, I don't see that at all. Is is somebody's just cited
3: sight, cited a some kind of injury in a knee that they know without that they. Without it being an ACL, because that's where everybody goes instantly yeah. ACL, because it's the most famous, it's the rock star of knee injuries, and they've just gone to the second <laughs> version.
2: Oh,
6: yeah, <geez. laughs> it's I like mean, cruciate. We've got we've got a link to a cruciate. it will get yeah, most ticks. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But to, so, to, so
2: ostensibly, the PCL has to be the same
6: mechanism to cause as a, as a, as, a, as an ACL. No, 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 no. I'm no, no, no. uh, oh, sorry, the PCL is normally the extended, foot extended. Uh, and the force goes in at the front um and causes the so you, uh, this is horrible radio for people, but you've got a straight piece oh, right. and the the force comes down the top through the kneecap, should we say forces the knee to go the other direction and it will snap that piece so, that a So bit in mass hyper
3: extended is An obtuse
6: an obtuse angle but the the the, yeah. the knee
2: creates an obtuse angle. Yeah.
3: Okay. If uh, uh, a common uh, um mechanism of this would be in a rugby scrum if somebody's sat down on their ass but their foot is on top of a player yeah and then the weight of the scrum comes down on them oh yeah
2: so yeah. just the thought
6: of that is making me but eat. you
3: understand now <laughs> the mechanism but
2: you know
6: you remember when vvd got hit by pickford yeah i think Si so, and i both thought that was pco at the time because Pickford's force went through in front of um, yeah. Virgil's knee. It wasn't. I don't know how he managed to avoid that, but it was just an ACL injury, which isn't as... Neither Both the cruciates are, are important, but just to give people a, a vision point for, for Liverpool, it's that mechanism of where, where Pickford was hitting the front of Virgil's leg. That would normally could cause a PCL injury.
4: Oh, yeah. When say Chamberlain tore his ligaments, he tore two, right? Was that? He was
3: both, wasn't it? I was just about that to was, say that. It was it was bopped, the lateral it? corner? So, yeah. so yeah, he basically ripped the whole knee because he got because yeah. he got his feet, uh, his studs caught in the ground, and he was going forward. So he came up. So his knee from the force came from uh, back to front with a knee and a twist. Yeah. So ACL usually occurs with some kind of. Um, Twist in mm. there. So it can look like a twist. It can be a twist from above the knee, so you don't really see it, but there has to be some kind of turning element.
2: Okay. And if it's medial, as you're saying, um, and it's not a complete rupture, he, he could play again this season?
6: Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah absolutely. Okay. So like maybe what well, you're looking at four to eight weeks, maybe. For Two me, more. that's best case for me. If it's medial, this is best case for Jotta. Yeah. And if it's a complete it's rupture medial, is that going to be season ending, though? You got surgery on the knee, yeah. That's well, I, I, I was just that, that season over, yeah. So, okay. so the, one caveat to this, right, is
3: the uh, grade two, dependent on its location, can determine. So, it can need surgery, yeah, for grade two, dependent on where it is on the ligament that is that it's done the damage. Got you, but I, I don't think that this is that case, it didn't seem that catastrophic an incident to me no, that's, a that's probably on, your thing
4: on the surgery so is that usually a hamstring graft do you lose a bit of no no, no no that's ACL this that's is just ACL.
3: yeah 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 this is just like a cleaning up and it depends but yeah it's, okay. that, it's nothing anywhere remotely as drastic as that no.
2: okay. unless there's
3: a full rupture uh, or a, a rupture on the insertion on the actual bone
6: yeah. But if you need surgery I would say that I would say it's probably season over personally okay. if you need surgery
2: Okay. Um, so what did you, what did you make of the Curtis Jones one?
3: Uh, it reminded me very much of um, uh, a basketball injury that I've seen 20,000 times happens all the a plant, time. A planting,
2: planting foot, isn't
3: it? And stumbling me slightly. Uh, yeah. It's the reason, it's the reason basketball players, it's about reason basketball shoes have high ankles. Okay. Um, yeah, he planted and there's slight uh, bending of the ankle, so he gets strained at the top, that's all.
2: Okay. Okay. Um, and then that's relatively relatively minor, can be? Uh, well, you can spend
3: – it depends. You can spend three months out with a high ankle sprain. Um, they – it, where it is the, um the the literally ana- anatomical site of it of the um ligaments there they have less blood going to them so they tend to rec- it that area of the ligament tends to have less blood flow which reduces the um rate of recovery so they can be slower than usual to heal slower than a, a typical ankle strain um right. but it uh, yeah, I, it's not common. Definitely not common in a young guy. That mm. it takes. It takes more than a, a. You're looking at a month at the most. Well, uh, I would suggest at this. I'm. I, I think he will. If this was the FA Cup uh, Cup final on Wednesday, he would probably be playing.
2: Wow, well, famously Patrick Mahomes won the Super Bowl against Philadelphia when he had a high ankle sprain. So even though he couldn't really scramble or anything, that, like, he was hobbling every time he, he took off. He still he still played a fucking game of NFL, didn't he? So yeah, yeah. Is, is there a high risk of re-injury with this
4: sort of with, with ligaments?
3: Are they? Sort of- yeah, it's weak. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's not re- not necessarily re-injury. It's it's creating more severe. So if there are some fibres, let's say let's say there are 5% of the fibres that are prox- proximal to the ligament, which is nearer to the top, basically, nearer to the middle of the body, yeah, away from the foot. If if that's where a high ankle sprain occurs, because um, the ligament goes all the way underneath the foot. So um, if there is like, say, 5% of the fibres have got some damage high up, uh, and if if you think of it like a zip, on your coat if you get three teeth on your zip get a little bit broken and you force it you could rip the zip does that kind of make sense? yeah that makes a lot of sense actually
2: thank you <laughs> um,
6: <laughs> brilliant just just to know CJ walked around the pitch yeah he did so I would back but size. I always remember VVD walking up against Everton yeah yeah but it just I just i um, put credence or what Si saying about mm. if, it, if the game was if it was FA Cup final, European Cup final, or weekend, CJ, would be playing. Just yeah. as a point of reference to that, Darth, a lot of people think the same uh, that you a, the
3: ACLs, like you could play a game of football with it with, once it's yeah. torn. Um, it's usually the secondary damage in the knee that causes the pain, rather than the actual rupture of the ACL. Wow. So you very often don't even have pain. Wow. Um, but with an ankle sprain, if you sprain your ankle going down the stairs yeah. just a little bit. Fucking hurts. It does. It just hurts, and it's just—it's mostly pain tolerance. That—that risk of the zip ripping—it depends whereabouts on the ligament that damages, but um, mostly it's pain tolerance.
2: Yeah, and it's going to be difficult for CJ to get extra protection around that as well if he wanted to play with it. Yeah, yeah. you
3: tape it up. So you see in in uh, some footballers, but not so much. uh, uh, You see in basketball players because they don't need their foot. To, um, to be mobile in all directions, which mm. a footballer would because a footballer needs to be able to curve. So if you just hold your thumb up and uh, hold your fingers out and your thumb up, your foot needs to be able to um, go left to right, up to down, uh, up and down, your thumb up and, but- and little finger down. But then it also needs to be able to pronate, supinate, so rotate, and you want to be able to combine those things, so you can make it like you're going over a wave. If you do that with your hand, your foot needs to be able to do that because that's how it creates curve on the ball, and that's how it receives the ball, so that you can deaden the the um, the force coming in. So that's how you control the ball. So you need to be able to flex um, your ankle in all the directions, um, and that is a problem in how we would how a basketball player um, has treated has treatment or um, pre-game that they would be taped up. So the tape takes away, it creates structure so that your ligament isn't needed. But you do need all of the movement in uh, in football where you don't in basketball. You just need to be able to move sagittally forwards, up and down, and you need all
2: of the movement in football. Hmm. So... Um with that in mind, the rumors are already that Curtis is gonna miss the final is Chelsea. Then there's the game in Southampton, and then so maybe he could be back in consideration for Nottingham Forest on the second of March. Yeah, yeah. it makes sense. How long? Yeah. the string? Yeah. Um so Darwin Nunes um doesn't come out for the second half. Pop says that he felt something in a tackle. Um can't really see anything on the video. We've all had a look, trying to watch it on the second watch, seeing if we could see anything there. It's been talked that it was tactical because of the number of substitutions. You can only have three separate substitutions during the game. But you know, the fact that Klopp came out and said he felt something during a tackle makes me suspicious that there's something there underlying. And he did have the foot injury, Si, before this recently, recent foot injury. He was carrying one, Mr. Game. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um. But we don't know, yeah. do we? we? don't know anything about this one, do we? It's just know. pain tolerance. It's just it's just pain tolerance. If you, um,
3: I've had literally had one of these on Sunday. That if you try to shoot, or a defender tries to clear the ball, and somebody tries to block you, and you you kick the underside of their foot, the stud, the stone on stud on bone really hurts. Yeah, and it's like a deeper bruised than you can feel so you can make some judgment on manliness and manliness but it just hurts and sometimes so putting your foot down hurts and if it hurts if it hurts to receive the ball to get to to get the ball under control or to create a fist with your toes before you kick it you kind of you yeah there's no the, the risk is there at that point, because you will modify how you, your mechanics of running and kicking a ball, which is more likely to cause a fast twitch player an injury elsewhere.
2: So okay. they, they would have gone, right, that hurts. Let's not. Yeah. And in Barts, the one that's been, um, we have to, there is speculation from nothing to do with LFC officially at all about Mo Salah, that he will not be playing against Luton. And um, we don't know anything about this. All we can do is comment. Um, what is your, what's
6: your, uh, deductive skills, say, about Mo Salah? I was just saying, pre-pod, I, I would imagine he was down to play 30 at the weekend uh, okay. because he because he played... I can't remember the length of time. Uh, 64 minutes. 64 I minutes. I would imagine uh, we're being cautious and he will be not starting against Luton, if at all. Maybe they might use some minutes there. Um, because you... That's Just what that's double the amount he was due to play. You know, we, we've spoken about the return to play protocol in the previous game, you yeah, would build yeah. up loads. You wouldn't, he also came on before half time, so there's a stop start Stop yeah. star had a break, started again. Second, it was half. a really sudden, it was a really sudden intro, wasn't it? It was. You must have seen Sai, and I completely back him off on his ranting about the fact that we do so much prep for a warm up, right? And yet, when you come on as a sub, you don't do half the prep you do, so he's coming on. Warmish because Mo's a pro, but it's not the full extent of a warm up for someone returning from a hamstring injury to then play for a short period of time before half time. And we're we're playing counter attack at this time as well because of the way the game's going. We go into half time. We would have done a bit of prep for him to come out, but you still that's still not the normal warm up we would do. He then plays. The game isn't safe until fifty-five, fifty-six minutes. So that's another ten, fifteen minutes of chasing the ball, playing counter-attack, and we have some measure of control, but still not our usual possession-based. He then go into the latter stages where it gets a bit bitty, should we say? Well, it's a bit fragmented in the way we play. So Moe is constantly doing probably some more high-speed running, and then, um, and then we do we, ta- we keep him on. So we yeah, it, we play the whole half. So yeah, it's it's just. That, if you looked at a way to bring a player back, that is not what you would do, Suboptimal is the phrase. Suboptimal, right? Suboptimal. So it's no to me that he's not going to play. I don't, I'm really shocked to he plays any sort of major minutes against Luton. So you mentioned Doms in yes. the chat.
2: Um, now, I'm sure that's nothing to do with life.
1: Are you that person who has everything? The coolest merch and those must-have fan threads? Well... As a listener to this podcast, you can get 10% off everything with coupon code AIPRO10. Just head over to AnfieldIndex.shop or find us on Etsy by searching for Anfield Index.
6: No, Domsey's like a delayed uh, onset muscle soreness. It's just a delayed onset muscle soreness. And typically, I mean, cycles are a bit of a wussy way to get injured, (laughs) but it's just... If you've done a high amount of load when you're not expecting to, you can expect tightness in the muscles. So you can get yeah. uh, that fatigue to come in. Mo is a pro, and he would his body is in supreme condition. Mm. That could be a thing. It could also be. I mean, I'd complained about it when he did a full load. I, I would not expect to lead earlier in the season. So yeah. it can happen to even the most elite pros because you've. As Simon will talk to you, you build up loads. You build up tolerance. Yes. Yeah, yep. my was out there Saturday trying to win a game of football. Yeah, he didn't care at that time. As soon as he came off, his body's like Jesus, man! You've played more than it's not the first time, played, time he played like four weeks or something. Yeah, right? exactly yeah. right. And it's yeah. and it's not the normal pattern of play. It's just yeah. not the normal pattern of play he would have come into. Say thoughts on the best player in the world? He's awesome.
2: I mean, his injury. Ah, see, or or his possible injury or whatever. Yeah, how how to treat him from here.
3: Well, it was a risk. It was the all of the stuff we talked about last week with Hamza. Um, there was a moment Klopp goes, uh, oh, shit, I need to bring on an attacker. Looks at his bench. He has to make the choice. I've got one here or I've got Mo. Yeah. He had to make the choice to bring Gakpo or Mo on. Yeah.
2: yeah.
3: And he went, right, oh, yeah, it's a bit tight. I want to win this game. Yeah. This is my best chance to win this game. And he went, Mo, even though... It was sub it was a suboptimal choice from a loading perspective if you're looking at the next potential twenty-four games we've got in the next 15 weeks. But you're looking right immediately, we need to win this game right now. They'd already looked kind of tasty. Um, and so you go with it. And and sixty-one minutes in when you're coming on cold. Yeah. That's, a, that's that's quite tough. a buzz yeah um and so it, it, i'll be really surprised if he didn't walk off going that was good that was a good workout yeah. That. Yeah. and it, it feels like if you literally if if you work out all the time and then you don't squat for two weeks then you squat you will feel like you squatted the next day yeah. you will just ache a little bit yeah. And and if you train regularly, you seek that. If you sprint regularly, you seek that uh, that but it would just be an amplified version of that. It, it um DOMS wouldn't keep a player out of a game, but if he had DOMS to on Wednesday from Saturday, it's not DOMS. Yeah. Right. Okay. Um, but it could keep him out of training <clears throat> on on match day plus 2. Yeah. Because you don't want to cause any muscle. It's 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 basically a little bit of muscle damage repairing because that's what all training happens. So you you create some. If you do a bicep, if you do if you do five sets of bicep curls till till you can't pick your arm up anymore, you create failure. You create overload. Your muscle's damaged, and over the next three days, the trepy effect. You start to your body's physiology starts to repair, and for a couple of days it will repair a little bit stronger than it than it did. So you have muscle damage, and that's all that is. Yeah.
4: And just quickly, uh, how would you manage Salah looking forward to the cup final then, with the potential to have 120
3: minutes? Would you, would mm-hmm. he should he play against Leighton? Uh He shouldn't play 120 minutes either. Um, uh, if it went to extra time, there's no chance Salah. Yes, yeah, crazy. Drop. This uh, this it's risks it's everywhere, a big isn't risk. It's risk for the game. Straight for the games, not just uh, straight afterwards, but which is Southampton, but also for the Forest game leading into, Euro, <laughs> into Europa as well. It's it's a big deal, and I'd imagine they envisaged uh, a thirty, a half, uh, a half maybe maybe a, a twenty, a thirty with a big top up, and then playing the game. And coming off at 60, I would imagine that was the original plan. So for this, there's going to be an awful lot of white knuckle riding from from the yeah. backroom yeah. stuff because there's nowhere around it at this point. The glass is already broken.
6: Yeah, we already broke the bottle. The problem um, mid I think to put Mo on the bench against Luton. Right, the temptation is going to be there, like it was at Brentford, because we spoke about the human element ah, of this. Klopp yeah. wants to win the game of football. But I don't think he should play any minutes against Luton if you wanted to play in the cup final. But we have to play against. But the we have to play because well, we
3: have to. We, have to, we have to. win
6: the game. So it's a, it's a whole. We're in a world of stick your fingers yeah. in plugs up getting and hope you come out the other side. And can I can I just say I don't want
3: this to sound grim and grey. If there was a player in our team that you would take these risks with is Mohamed Tallah. Yeah. He one is our best player, but two, yeah. he is. David, he is an unbelievable physical talent and prepared as anybody in the world for for um, the the physiological demands of playing football. And he, if anybody
2: can do it and come out unscathed, is Mo Hamza. Um, uh, I don't know if you saw a couple of things I did. I actually did some research today um, and I put it in, in the, the group chat earlier on. And it was something I saw on the weekend about um, Arsenal's continuity of, continuity of selection in the Premier League this season. Again, just like last season. You've, you do a lot of stuff. We know this from, you know, in Arsenal at the times. Um, and they, if you take their top six players, Arsenal's top six players, they've actually started 139 out of 150 Premier League matches this season 93% and then the top 8 players have started 90% of the games and the top 10 players have started 80 86% whereas ours are down at 81% for the top 6 79 for the top 8 and 73%. So there's there's an extra there of 31 starts more by Arsenal in in the in the Premier League versus versus us and that's a huge Getting the ability to get your best team out all the time in the Premier is a huge advantage for Arsenal, isn't it?
4: Uh, yeah, um, yeah. Uh, I think size covered this before with his uh, theory about your top six or top, top eight, eight. eight, top eight, top eight players uh, starting. If you have those that are available for the majority of the season, you win the league. Uh, yeah, um,
2: it's a big advantage. They have missed Jesus and they've missed Timber. As well, who, who? Yeah, this doesn't even this even doesn't even include Timber because he got injured in game one. Yeah, um and I think
4: the, the idea actually was with Timber to to use him in possession in a slightly different way to Zinchenko, so that would have actually affected how the team played structurally. Yeah, uh, over this over the first ten and fifteen matches, you saw the initial idea, the plan, then a reversion to last season, and then a sort of evolution and a mm. midpoint between the initial plan and last season's ideas. Um, so, yeah, there's been a bit of um, tinkering there. But, yeah, it, 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 having those players available to, to build relationships with one another, uh, to understand each other's rhythms and patterns and all that sort of stuff is enormously valuable.
2: Um, but,
4: yeah, the, the, that and is... The annoying
2: thing is, I guess, and the, is that actually their form is actually even getting better as mm. well. So, yeah, which is a concern.
4: But uh, they, they still... well. They've still got the Champions League to to, to play as we we did. So uh, yeah, there's still a lot lot still to happen. Yeah. uh, um, Yeah. Uh, And as as good as they are playing, they have a bit of an issue with scoring from open play. They still first goal. Once they have the lead, they're excellent. But um, just still breaking down low blocks. As as for all top teams, it is is a big
2: big question mark. So whether they can do that consistently is the question. And so, Sai, um, has already referenced your own studies on top six and top eight players. Where do you think our top six, top eight player usage is this season? Is it how, how far away from the optimal position are we? Is it are we just I, a little I, bit below? I don't think we're that off at all. I,
3: I, I, if you count up, we've got I've just been through our, our best 11. So, uh, here. When we're doing this I, I said in the group earlier is subjective over who we believe our best eleven is right yeah. so
2: when we're doing it for other clubs, we often have our biases in there as well i you, guess you, i you guess want I, I want to say i just i guess i guess them by the game started that's all i did yeah so so I don't think that stand I appreciate we did it was good research.
3: I think the Arsenal fans would argue about timber in particular um if you look at the, what should have been their first choice eleven, that that Timbers missed twenty four games, mm. and our combined first choice eleven have missed twenty four games. So, uh, if you're looking at, our, I'm saying our first choice eleven is Ali, uh, Trent, Robbo, Ibu, um, Virgil, Tiago, Mac, Zobo, Mo. Diaz, Darwin. Let me hmm. preface this with I understand how we feel about Jota. That's not how everybody felt about Jota when the
2: season began. Hmm. Okay. Okay. Um, my only question I wanted to ask you was, sorry, last year, Arsenal played pretty much unchanged team in the Premier League for the first 21-22 games and then they had a really bad result at Everton at the end of January I think it was and then they really were pretty poor from from February to May after that and they 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 did hit a wall physically and maybe mentally as well do you give us some good news and please tell me that this the ability of um arsenal you know all their players play in this many minutes and that in all comps they you know their top six players are averaging 600 minutes and more than hours 500 you know, and their top you know, is this a risk for them are they storing up a risk by not enough rotation so you looked at this. Uh, you put it in the group earlier.
3: Yes. And I looked it up. I so a couple of things here is that I instantly said that I'd done this research before in relation to age, and there is a significant age profile difference, and you're more likely to get a uh, injured with age. Arsenal's 22 to 26. At they have age, a, a significantly younger <clears throat> yeah. um, first choice team than we do. So, s- along with that, they also don't have a history of injuries yeah. amongst. Amongst their, apart from their two team. players, yeah, and we yeah. we have more of a, a risk of injury, a history of injury, compared to previous season. But, but what I look, I, I then went in to have a look at uh, uh, their team and um, uh, to run what uh, what we do with with Liverpool, um, project their current um minutes over the course of the rest of the season versus their previous three year history.
2: Yeah. And
3: we currently have 17 players going to break their three year average. Um, and they have four. So well I'm not sure. So they have lots of lads that play lots of time lots of minutes historically. So I'm not sure they're going to get knackered. Hmm so um, you're worried. I'm not worried about Arsenal because I don't think they're quite as good as they look. But
2: um, uh, you're, still more, you're still more worried about City, obviously. Yeah, and we all are as well. But
3: yeah, I'm 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 optimistic about it. I'm less optimistic about us being able to stay in this because of the things I've talked about for the whole season. But they and don't give me don't get me wrong. I I would give my left nut to be wrong. I want desperately want to be wrong. I only want us to win the league. If we win all four competitions, that will be amazing because we've won all four competitions, but also we won the league. And I don't want to be right about this at all. So just to let's put a line under, around and over that. Yeah. I want to be wrong.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, this is, a, this is this is this is this is an evidence show, and you're, you're you're industry experts, and you've got lots of experience of working with Premier League teams, site. So you know you're well qualified to comment on these things. So I don't don't be don't beat yourself up, mate.
3: Just- did did we hear that? Uh, did Did you guys notice that Zaff just got um, a new job as the head of uh, performance medicine at
2: Arsenal? Yeah, wow. left palace. Yeah, left, left palace. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. Um, now, Bart's last word to you, as the person on the pod who least wants an Arsenal victory <laughs> due to their location of where they live. Um
6: <laughs> any thoughts on Arsenal and us in this bigger picture? Um I think there's a lot of there's a the physical side of things, which I agree. Size so laid out beautifully. I think there's also a thing that you have to learn to play twice a week at yeah. top level. And Arsenal are about to go into runner games. We said it on a couple of <laughs> pods ago, I don't know where you there, Dov, but where they are now going to go Champions League, League, Champions League, League. It's different from lower level competition to uh, the league where you can, you can rotate. It's not Europa League and League, which they did last season. It's, they have to be at their top for now twice a week. And that is something that I, I you have to learn to do as a coach. You know, uh, Newcastle failed miserably at doing it this year. Yeah, let's see actually when the pressure, which it does matter. I know we talk about that being a psychological thing and it was not necessarily evidence space, but it does matter when you're in a title race against City and Liverpool and you're playing. You have to perform week in, week out, home and away. Let's see how they handle that because that is different to just last season where they physically might have run out of gas, but they also had no experience getting over the line. Yeah, we, our boys. If we can just get through this one, and I completely back on these, and I would hundred percent, I'm in the same same boat. I'm extremely worried about our ability to get through the next month of games unscathed and of the position we are in. If we can get through the next month though and still be two points ahead, not a nose ahead, or even three, our boys know how to get over the line. I'm not convinced Arsenal do, and that does matter when it comes to, when push comes to shove. Boom, that'll do
2: nicely, mate. Well done. <laughs> now, okay. On to this, uh, we have to discuss a game, uh, Hamza. We have to discuss a fun game. Um, I think just before we, before we come to, and one thing I did learn from listening to last week's pod is I don't go to Sai to ask you about the lineups. So I'm going to come to Hamza from from now on. Absolutely, discuss both lineups. Um, but Hamza, before we start, um, we'd had some tr- we had some tough visits to Brentford the last two times we've gone there. Six goals conceded, nine big chances conceded, 19 shots in the box, and we we conceded 1.2 expected goals just from set plays. It was a really tough ask on paper. Um, And how did we set up for it? Uh, Yeah, I I mean,
4: I'll just start off with um, I mean, they played City recently and they played City again. uh, It's interesting because... Phil Foden scored a hat-trick in that match and the first question asked to Pep Guardiola <laughs> on the cross-conference was, how do you think Phil Foden played? And his response was effectively, oh my God, Brentford are such a nightmare to play against a really tough team. Uh, and remember from earlier this season, Klopp said the same thing as well, uh, pretty much said, uh, Brentford are the team that I just, uh, effectively, I don't want to play as in if I was a manager, I'd try and build a team that no one likes to play and Brentford are essentially that. Um, so, we know when you play against Brentford, you're going to need uh, tall players, players that are good in the air, players that are physical, because they also have a lot of strong physical players that play very direct. They work on second balls. They're very good on set pieces. Uh, so that fed into the line. Lots of restarts as
2: well, Hamza, as well. Lots yes. of restarts. <laughs> yeah. Uh,
4: yeah. So um, Endo came in as the number six, adding height and physicality there. Well, you, you, I think you played the last game, but um, Jones in midfield as well, supported by McAllister. Uh in defense, Van Dyke and Canate. So you've got a, a strong call there, tall, uh quick players able to recover the ball, uh, contests uh duels. Uh Nunes up top. Uh, so like I said, that that call there. The, the the big thing here though is that um Allison's out, so Kelleher was in goal. Mm. Bradley at right back, not Gomez, which may have surprised a few people. Uh and Robertson back at left back as well. Uh and then alongside Nunez was uh, Diaz and Jota, uh, which is as expected. Maybe you may have expected Gakpo to
2: come in, given his height. And did he play in the reverse fixture? I think he might. Have. I was expecting the Gakpo to come in in midfield actually, because um, that's the, the two the two times we played them at uh, Anfield and um, in, one. In um He literally picked the tallest possible team with Cody in midfield. So, but yeah. Um, and how did Brentford line up? Because they've got they, they they mean they're not. They've got some big injuries themselves. Um, Rico Lewis is missing. Brian and Bremo's missing. And on the eve of the game, they lost Ethan Pinnock, which is which was very welcome because he's like the tallest of them all, I think, isn't he? <laughs> and he's caused us some um, both the, both the games we played against at their place, he's caused us a world of problems. Yeah,
4: that he, place. P- he picked him a lock against Wolves, and it was um it was quite interesting in that match because uh, he couldn't run anymore. And I think they used up their three sub breaks, so he went up front. And uh, Tony dropped in as a left side and uh, started doing shuttle runs to sort of defend. And they were good in that match as well. So I watched that. Yeah. yeah. I'm all new. But yeah, they've also got Aaron Hickey out. Uh, mm. Kevin Sharder as well. But mm. yeah, they, they usually have a system for these big matches. If any of the listeners have listened to Thomas Frank on Monday Night Football, he explained it. But essentially it's, um, excuse me, uh, a five-three-two. Um uh, they, they use a system just to to keep the middle compact. They use the wing backs to often support the attack sometimes, uh, and the forwards to protect the middle. Uh, Mopé and Tony were the front two. Uh, Russ, Levin Region were the uh, the wing backs. Midfield of uh, Janal Norgard and Jensen, all big strong players. And then in defence, Me I Collins and Flecken was in goal. Flecken had a tough start for the season, but that's a yeah, three Bixens half
2: there as well. <laughs> Those three boys yeah. Um, yeah, so but um how about that match summary?
6: I'll just load it off for um I tell you what though, considering this game, you, there are some things in here which would surprise I think may surprise listeners, probably not to UP, but in a general sense, right? So we're a sixty forty possession. Okay, yeah, fair mm. enough. Um touchy, so I've got seven eighty versus party one. Okay, yeah, not not a big not a big shot there. Uh total shots fifteen each. Okay, so it, people might be a little bit surprised by that um, the ratio of on target and off target was different they had 7 off target, 6 on target we had 5 and 8 uh, they had 2 shots in our 6 yard box we had 1 uh, they had 9 in the penalty box, we had 11 uh, so we had 6 big chances to their 3 4 goals to 1 obviously uh, 2.86 XG to 1.85 post shot 359 to 131 uh EPV, we have just over one, and they had just under 0.7. Uh conversion rate actually in and around the same level, uh 207%. So again, shows you both sides did quite similar things with their conversion of threat into chances. Mm. Um the other thing that we chatted about as being quite key to look at in certain types of games like this is field tilt. Mm. Uh and that actually comes out of 48 versus 52. So it shows you that. For all of the play in the middle two thirds, the actual share of possession in the action area, if you like, the actual final third of the games was about level, which shows you uh, two different approaches to it. We had a higher amount of possession to get there. They had a lower amount of possession to do that. Um, interestingly, the three phases, the three 15-minute segments where we dominated field t, are also the three uh, phases in which we scored three goals uh all mm-hmm. other times the field tilt is either equal or they are dominating the field tilt, so we took our chances when we had domination in those areas they did not uh and I know that 's a bit redactive, but that is mm-hmm. what it is uh in terms of vulnerabilities uh wed we, no cool, we
2: scored we scored four out of six big chances.
6: Yeah, we did. Um, We had a 64% chance to win the game. There was 16. uh, The draw was 19%. And the highest probability in terms of score was actually 3-2 at 11%, with the final score of 4-1 being 8%. So the fourth most probable score. So there you go.
0: Hello. I'm here to annoy you. I'm here to annoy you into listening to more of me and more of others on EPL Index. He presents a tad predictable before every Premier League match week. And then Kevin DeVries and his crew on the EPL roundtable there every week after the Premier League match week. So make sure you listen to everything we're doing on EPL index and follow us there on Twitter at EPL index. Thank you. Bye-bye.
2: Excellent. Excellent. And Sai, um, Let's focus on the period when it was nil-nil because it's always the most important period of the match of any match. Um, it, we had we had most of the possession, but it was quite sterile, I thought, and they they had a few moments where they were trying to get in kind of our down our right channel, and it was actually quite a quite a close, quite an even game really for thirty-five minutes before we took the ladies, Right? How did you see it?
3: Yeah, they I thought they caused some stress. I don't think we were playing particularly smoothly. It's really hard to do that against them. They they was they have a specific way of playing. Really rigid back five and then uh three blockers in the mid, midfield and two um 50
2: meters ahead of the
3: Yeah, that play, That play on their side of the um the center circle and um, and they were dropping in to prevent balls into our sixes so allowing the center backs to ball when they want go you tr- you go and do some damage against us and we they were gone man for man and blocked up um all all of the passages into uh, our wide players so they were just allowing the the centre backs to do their thing, see what damage they can cause, and what it's really hard. Uh, there's no space in midfield. You need much more rotation from our boxers in midfield, and uh, the lads coming from wide, and they basically can double up every angle that that, um, that we. Unless you go, you play really fast football, they can double up on on any uh, any play you have um, uh, wide. Because of the the nature of their formation, and uh, it makes it really tough to play through. Uh,
2: Hamza, um, how did you see the balance and that in the patterns of play in that first, you know, thirty four minutes?
4: Uh, I think at least for the first fifteen, I think Brentford were the better team. I think they, of what they, have, if you look at what their objectives were and what Liverpool's were, mm. they would have been much closer to achieving theirs. There are a few ways they went about it. Uh, for example, when the goalkeeper had the ball. There's a nice example in the first five minutes of the game where he clips it to the right side. The ball, I think, is headed back in field. Then it sets and there's a switch. So they move the ball to their right. Liverpool sense the opportunity for a second ball. So they move over the left side and then they switch to the opposite side and they end up getting a shot from that. So a few sequences that were quite useful like that, Liverpool tries to respond by moving the players around a bit. So, for example, Jota pulled really wide uh, and Diaz moved infield as Robertson went wide. uh, But it didn't quite um, produce any chances of of note. So, yeah, I I think for for at least for the first 15, I think Brentford were on top and were better.
2: We nicked nicked one against um, the runner play, didn't we, with Bradley when he got in through the middle and he tried to do that little... Kind of toe poke, but the keeper just got down to it, didn't he? Yeah, but again, as in that's... Well, that came out of nowhere, really. Obviously, Bradley that, himself, wasn't it? A, yeah, A smart dribble, yeah. sensing a moment and a bit... Well, when you a 20-year-old that's some some play, though, isn't it, for
3: a 20-year-old kid?
4: When, when you have good players, uh, that's one of the things that they can do, right? You can have all your tactical structures, but then sometimes a magical player will do something brilliant and they'll get you the goal and then you win the game. Uh, and teams that don't have those resources can't rely on yeah. that. But I think, from a tactical perspective, uh, they they had the upper hand in, in the first fifteen twenty, uh, and and you go to the goal itself as well. And actually, if you look at most of their goals, they're actually Brentford errors more than anything. And I think they they really dropped off after conceding the first.
2: Um, mm, that was quality. critical. It was crucial, wasn't it? The first goal was critical, yeah. um, but. But um, in your stats pack, um, so what what do you do? You any standouts for the the, the first thirty four minute period? And what does what,
6: what does your what does the detailed stats analysis say about that that period? For the first period, I mean, as Hamza said, they they were on top. Like if you look at the two, so that's the first 2 two minute periods. Yeah, there, essentially, it's it's an it's an equal game. We yeah we had more of a ball, but it, in terms of what they're doing, they had a higher EPV conversion, so they were converting more of their threat into chances. And the overall um, XG was similar as well at that. Overall point. Overall XG was similar. So I just think it is they were that that switch that sort of as Hamza said they would they would invite a bit of a press and then quickly uh bounce past or not and then switch it to the other side and then exploit that weakness the other side which happened to be down our right back channel so whether they were expecting I don't know whether they thought there would still be a weakness there because we would we would carry on inviting inverting our right back or not but that that was working well I mean Tony had got in a couple of times and tried mm. to keep finish and whether Kev left it or not or whether it was just one of the posts but there's no those two periods, it's not till you get to thirty one forty five where things start to turn in our favour. But even in that period where we scored, the field till is still in Brentford's favour. Still mm-hmm. sixty six versus thirty-three. So it's but their XG drops off. It so was, go got, over, did, yeah. did you do do you think we struggled with our build up and this thing in this, because it
2: was hard against that? Five and three, really, wasn't
6: it? It was. As I pointed out, they put these blockers in to stop us doing that. Mm. Um, I mean, if you look at the first period before the first sub on the pass maps, there's nothing into uh, our right eight at that time from our centre-half. So they've stopped that pass out. So Kanata's got to go wide or back to his mate at left centre-centre-back. So that's mm. an, that's, a, that's a vertical pass out from our back that wasn't happening at a, a high volume. They're allowing Endo to have the ball, but as we've previously discussed, Endo hasn't done a swivel on ahead, head, so he's only going to play left side. So it's going to turn out to either his left eight or the fullback. What was good for me in this period of time, if I can't, if there was some good, is our fullbacks were playing as fullbacks for me in this mm. period of time. So it gave us a bit of uh width if there wasn't a lot of depth. I have to say the we are condensed, our touch maps, our zones are in two strips. Uh, for pretty much the whole game we've condensed in either just just out, just just in their in their third and just outside of their third so it's a real condensed build but that's what Brentford want you to do they want to compact the game and then they want to play on the counter because they want to get Tony running in the other way behind our centre-halves or whoever else is playing up with him uh, and that's if you look at the chances they were correct in their first half an hour they were balls in behind, Tony was going in or Mupai would get in and around zone 14 and Fred fall uh, ball into and Tony would try and get shot off I thought what we dealt with, to be positive, considering uh, we, I think when we've gone there, we've given away a lot of free kicks and we've not dealt with it. I thought our defensive line this game was extremely high for set plays. And I also think we didn't, uh, we spoke about it at Arsenal. One of the reasons why VVD maybe made that mistake was he didn't want to just clear it. He wanted to retain possession. Whereas in this game, there seemed to be a bit of a call when the ball drops, clear the ball. Don't try and recover protection, just get it out of our get it out of our box. And I thought, and I know our goal comes from that, but there was a lot of no no pretty kind of maintained position from defending. It was literally clear the box from set play. So we try and win the first ball. On the second ball, it was just clear the ball. And I think we're trying to get rid of the danger out of our zone just to try and give a positive spin on our play to, to deal with their main threat, apart from the switches, which were set plays. Yeah. And and so um
2: wasn't too many. Good performances to get excited about in that first nil uh, nil, but one player that did really stand out was Diogo Jota. I mean, it's a bit of a cruel irony that he has one, is one of his best ever games for Liverpool just before a bad injury. Was he
3: was he was dropping deep. I think part of our tactics were to were to play uh two uh, two wide players really narrow mm. the half space, but the whole length of the pitch. They were, so they could create little boxes with the wide players going outside them. Uh, um, worked whatever for the Bradley chance that you talked about. It kind of worked, um, and which ended up in the in Jota's big chance. Yeah, talk about the um, which. It was one of those statistical
2: big chances, rather than yeah. I didn't actually think it was a big chance. The one, I mean, the shot he had from the angle, the really good shot, which he keeper tipped over, and that was probably a better one, wasn't it? Really,
3: uh, the one that would drop further out of the box from a Robo cross, I think that yeah. was. Um, yeah, and he, yeah, he lashed was, it
2: really hard and he'd keep it.
3: Yeah, it was fourth, yeah. showing. I, I thought it, this this was the game. I think he's showing his full array of skills because yeah. we talked in the past. It, it, that that he was just Lineker. He yeah, he wasn't in the build at play. And since Christmas, since he came back uh, uh wet Burnley, he really is dropping deep. He's he's taken on the mantle of the connector um that Mo has for for our attack. Yeah. Um he passes the ball and he gets the ball into the box better than any of the the other attackers. Other, apart from Mo, obviously. Um, yeah. And we've really needed that because it hasn't really happened. It's not, it's not been. you've not, we've not been watching Diaz um, carry the ball into the box like he did when he first arrived and create threat that way. So we need to get into the box if we're going to score. And he's been doing that. And then there was that thunderbastard volley that he did, which uh, he tipped over, which, yeah. Which, and then, and then, but as a huge consequence of his all round game and tracking back and his intensity in the middle of the pitch, he ends up
2: getting injured. Yeah. Cause he, yeah, he 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 loves the challenge. He never he never he loves a scrap as well, to be fair. Um but like um we we've seen it with those couple of goals we thought where he's he's basically slalom through, he's beat a couple of men and then he's finished. You know, brilliantly brilliant individual goals, and I think we I think the first one was in the Europa League side. It was, it was yeah, and we, think, and we think well that's that's new that's new for Diogo, and then in a couple and in this this first half as well, he he went on a couple of really long runs, committing loads of players and basically carrying the ball thirty four forty meters at a time. Yeah,
3: yeah, yeah, yeah. He, it's really weird because he feels like he's playing FIFA. Yeah, it's, it's like I, I genuinely it's one of the things I talk about in coaching that um, in coaching girls, they don't have experience of playing football. So the way you can learn is how I see boys learn. And they le- they learn so many of the nuances of the game, weirdly, from playing FIFA. Wow. So they understand systems and formations in a way that 20 years ago kids didn't because they play FIFA. And I wonder how much of that, like, crosses over with him, because he's one of the best in the world. It is. He is, isn't he? One of the best, yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, it's really interesting. So he's so his decision-making of what to do and when, he is so refined because he's played thousands and thousands of hours of making those decisions <laughs> on the <pitch. laughs>
2: And the mad thing is, when you watch him dribble, he's actually quite an ugly dribbler, isn't he? Yeah. He doesn't even look that fast, but he is. It's crazy. Yeah,
3: yeah. it's quite...
2: He's, yeah. He is quick. He is strong. He just, look, he, he just doesn't look it. If that makes sense at all, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He's not. He's not a beautiful, graceful dribbler, is he? No, no, no. Anyway, Hamza, let's talk about. You already referenced it. A lot of Brentford goals come from their own risks, and this was this was a classic example. I mean, Brentford are one of the best users of analytics in the Premier League. We know this. Um, we know this from. Um, Lance as well with and the Matthew Benham and and all the stuff they do. What what do you think the, if you if you were in the play calling seat for Brentford? What what do you think about this decision to basically commit all ten players to outfield players into our third for a sixty yard ball delivery from the goalkeeper into a box?
4: Uh, I think that given they were probably the first team that I noticed or we noticed doing it. And now the vast majority of Premier League teams also do the same, as in they commit most of the players forward, don't bother with the player in halfway, and rather have players positioned around the second ball to counter-press or or block the counter-attack by creating a tactical foul. I think that in itself speaks for itself. Uh, That, sorry, speaks for itself in terms of the effectiveness of this and the marginal gain of having... Your players positioned further upfield than rather on halfway. I mean, let's imagine that uh, that when Van Dyke plays the ball, uh, there is a well, there is a player on halfway. Uh, they're going to be caught under the ball. Maybe, maybe they get to it first, but there's, there's a chance that if the ball goes either side of them, they, they're also just doing the same thing. They're trapping over to get the ball, uh, and then Jota might win it or Nunez might win it, and you still have a big chance, right? stopping that event in the first place is the main thing and the most important thing. Uh, yeah, uh, I completely support the uh, the idea that you should um, instead of having players on half I think it's just totally redundant. You lose uh, a valuable presence in the box if if the ball goes into the box and you lose a presence to counter press and counter presses are great opportunities to turn the ball over as your opponents in transition and score. So I think
2: it's it's completely worthwhile and every now and then and it very how, how, happens. Okay, but it was just in the context that their entire game plan was based on a very deep, rigid 5 3 2, and they didn't give us any spacing behind for the first 35 minutes. In the context of that, and then to go to almost flip it completely, that, that's the bit which I'm struggling with, Hamza. Have you got any thoughts on that?
4: Um, I, well, if if you look at when the ball actually lands in the box, Brentford actually have one, two, three, four players uh against Liverpool's one in the sort of in the area between the halfway line and maybe fifteen yards outside the area. So it's just mm. Potter and there's four players there. They actually have that covered quite well. Mm. Uh and when the ball does get to Jota, he does really well to actually win that and head it into Nunez's path. He does.
6: He does, uh, absolutely. I, I
4: think when you consider, like I said, so all these players are further forward, they're, they're well positioned <clears easy throat> to actually deal with the counter as long as the counter's actually on the ground. But this is an aerial ball that goes over the top, which yeah. changes that dynamic slightly. I mean, usually, let's say the ball comes in, where's the ball going to go if Van Dyke makes the first contact? He's not going to mm. hold it, he's going to header it, right? Mm. In which case, those four players are well positioned to, to take the ball, the second ball, win it against Jota, recycle it and cross. It just so happens on this occasion, the ball bounces and Van Dijk actually manages to clear it 40, yeah. 50, 60 yards, which I don't think you'd really expect to happen.
2: No, no. And I think that's very fair. Now, but we, at the end of the start of last season, we did spend some time looking at Brentford and their impact on the Premier League and the, especially the set plays. Um, you're you're the doctor of mathematics. Um what do you think about the all the analytics of all this, given the tactics that they were employing for the for the game up to that point?
6: I think it I it it kind of works for them. I mean, I think Frank himself said on TV, it's only the second time in two first time in two years they've considered yeah. a goal from this type of set play. Yeah. So that says to me that the odds are they're gonna get more the the risk reward suggests they're gonna get more reward than they are gonna risk scoring. Yeah. And as it, it took an exquisite header from jota to make this into a chance otherwise yeah and a half clears that ball yeah, yeah right so and i think endo wins the first header and then VVD clears it just to clear that up but that's that's there's multiple variables that went into that move for it to yeah. end up being a goal the other end endo could have misjudged his header it didn't flip back it didn't drop in the right place VVD skew miscues that kick <clears throat> so and i just think those variables yeah they had the players in the right area. The keeper delivers the ball in the right area. It just didn't fall for them. But we cleared it. And I, just, know, I just yeah, the percentages we're, 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 are.
2: We're, we're quite a big team, right? We're quite good in the yeah. air overall. We got some very good players in the air, and we're very good on the counter. And I thought the ang- where they came took it from. It was a sixty-yard ball, and it was on quite a straight angle from the keeper. I I said somewhere I think it was somebody on Twitter that this was this was like a. In, the, in an NFL game, this was like a Hail Mary pass, when you you, you basically mm. run out of ideas, a Hail Mary, just try and get something. And I, I just didn't look for that situation. If it was a corner, right, or if it was a ball lateral with our parallel with our 18-yard box or something, I could, okay, maybe fair enough, you commit all 10 in and go for that there. But I just thought it just it, it didn't look like the right
6: opportunity to take that gamble in, to, to me anyway. I just think if you've always done it, they did it, for, I think, two other times during the game. I just think they're going to... It's just ingrained in that that's what they do from that kind of set of plays. Whether or not we think it's the way forward, would we do mm. it? No, we wouldn't. But well, we I- it wouldn't. Well, obviously... And the we analytics did it against be, Everton. Remember yeah. when um, Addy comes up, plays a short ball to Trent, and Trent puts it in into the box from over halfway in the famous game where it, uh, yeah, it yeah. flaps out the box. <laughs> right, so we have done it, but in extreme conditions. I just think this is Brentford's way of playing. They've, they've worked out the maths for them. Yeah. Did the ball go in the, exactly the right area? Maybe not. Yeah. You know, so maybe poor, execu- more,
2: poor execution. Maybe poor execution
6: yeah. from the keeper. Right. But yeah, is, are they going to stop doing it? No, because they well, did it well, three. Well, the analytics time,
2: will again. be. The more you do it, the better. Pe- the more it the plays better, off. Yeah, You increase yeah. the sample size to do it. So yeah, it,
6: it's still we know how how hard it is for headed chances to, for a pass and headed goals. Right, they're the same yeah. sort of skill. So for Jota to get that header perfectly and for Nunes to be on side, right, for the right time to go and score it, that's still that's a high. You would take that in a in a casino. Do you know what I mean? That that, yeah. that wouldn't come off for the for the, the attacking side. So I just think they've they've made their bed. That's how they win games of football. It might not have executed it perfectly, but they still it still took some low probability options that for it to occur to become a big chance for Nunes at the other end. It yeah. and be. I
2: think the fact that they only had one corner the whole match.
5: I don't need a VPN. I've got nothing to hide. <laughs> Mag boxes and games consoles. Visit liberty shield.com today and use coupon code AIVPN25 to get 25% off at checkout.
2: Yeah, so we it, stopped it, it of the way we played it, yeah. and they, they didn't have any other opportunities to run this play at all. So, but
6: yeah, yeah. as we often say, you oh, all VVDs, five percent stop the cross, stop the chance. If you stop them from <clears throat> for taking out their weapon, which is putting a ball in our box, if you stop them from doing that, then you limit their opportunities and they might take more risks with the opportunities they do have.
2: And I th- I think you have to credit our team for our game plan to not give away any corners and not give away any attacking throws, really. You know, yeah. that really so we we did do a pretty good job of defending in that, you know, in that respect. Yeah. We had a week for the training as well.
4: Yeah. On, on what you just said, Dan about the more times you do it, uh, the bigger the sample size, the better success rate. Right? Uh how many yeah. times do you reckon uh, the more times Nunez tries that shot, <laughs> <you know. laughs>
2: absolutely. But now it's gone in. What? Now it's gone in the first time. He's going to be having keepers second guessing every other time, isn't he? He's brilliant.
4: Honestly, the the to chip him is one thing, but to chip a standing goalkeeper is
2: mm-hmm. is, is something else. But um, yeah, absolutely. So, sorry, we now we've done the the Brentford angle. Please talk to us about the glory of this goal from a Liverpool perspective. Unbelievable! Just that kid is unbelievable. He is. He
3: can do the hardest thing on a football pitch, uh, yeah. And he chooses the hardest thing on the football. <laughs> pitch easily. Next time he's gonna he's gonna chip somebody doing a rabona.
2: <laughs> Rainbow can
3: can I just yeah. add a little bit a little bit of context on the the whole chat you just had about the risk reward set setup? Is mm. that is that when Virgil got the ball, which was from a knock on? Um, that they were still three they still had uh so our three highest players at the pitch still had a player goal side of them at that point, yeah. and so yeah, they hadn't just on like thrown away the key and left the door open they they were still goal side it's just that Darwin's fucking rapid and ran yeah. past the, ran past yeah. the lad left him ten yards behind him. Um, but making the, it was an unbelievable, um, f- header from Jota. You were sat there because it almost happened in slow motion, the ball going up in the air like that. I actually think Virgil cleared the ball that way because, uh, we, we were feeling a little bit under pressure at that moment. So he was just for five minutes after, um, uh, CJ's. Injury, that yeah. it felt like shit was going against us. So he was like, "Right, just get the just get the ball away." At this point, and but if you watch it back, before he makes contact with the ball, Darwin and gone. Uh, and I know I appreciate that uh, I've I've pointed out how Darwin just goes when the balls uh, from corners are coming in for him yeah. to defend, and he's already left bef- b- before he bothered heading the ball clear. Um but it was smart and he was properly gambling before Virgil tried to clear the ball and Diaz went as well, but he didn't go till after the, the clearance had gone. So we got Jota and Darwin already going, which is like, that's fire. That's awesome. for From a Liverpool perspective, that caused the the, the instability, brilliant header and an unbelievable finish at the same time. Jota also made a was really, really smart with how he ran. So the whole time the keeper had to bear in mind there was a sweaty on. If he if he committed himself, the Darwin could have just slotted it sideways and, and that'd have been a completely open goal. So so many things going through the keeper's mind. He wasn't actually yes. standing tall when Darwin connected with the ball. He only stood tall afterwards. Um so he kind of made himself wide and low without having to without diving, which I think probably gave gave uh Darwin it was like a cartoon i'm gonna go wide and then he just like he could see above his head, but an unbelievable finish and i i would suggest that's a if he tried that a hundred times it it might go in like i don't know twelve
4: and they did it at the end of a pitch long sprint,
2: yeah, yeah yeah. Yeah, it was, point, it was. It was. It was very, very He plays very his hair on goal. fire, so so
3: yeah. that is, that he might is equivalent to him being asleep. Yeah,
2: yeah. it was point a brilliant four, assist right? and a brilliant finish. Point four it seems a bit of high. XG rise, right? It's just for the location, isn't it? I Not know. It. I know. Yeah. <laughs> that's like wow. Yeah. Um, but... three, four
3: for this for the post shot. Yeah, <laughs>
2: yeah, that's just. Yeah,
3: that's why. Yeah, we keep keeper these, stood there. He catches it, doesn't he, that's what yeah. it's about. We, we got to take this just, with a pinch of adjusted to that. Exactly.
2: So, um, Bart, let's talk about penalty shouts. (laughs) There was a lot of them in this game. There was a lot. There was a lot of stuff that the ref let go. Should we? Should it's fair to say?
6: Yeah, I think.
2: It was a rough tumble. It was rough and
6: tumble. But, rough and tumble. I mean, we had, I think they had, was it? I don't know four fouls to them and eighteen to us, something like that. And, and <laughs> That's if you, if just you convert, absurd. if you convert that in terms of uh, percentage ju- uh, possession adjusted, it, it's just nuts. It we also
3: won ten of twelve tackles. You know, we
6: did. Yeah, yeah. we we had mm-hmm. we had good good dual rate. We both our fullbacks were over fifty percent ground draw win rate, which is good. Uh, our Virgil was one hundred percent aerials and Kanata kind of sixty odd, seventy five percent. So we did a. We won a, a fair proportion of our jaws even earlier or on the ground, but yeah, the, the fouls were were interesting, should we say? I think Klopp raised it as a just just raised it as a question. I, the I guess bit.
2: eighteen fouls to four just seems
6: talking about out, that, that's a massive statistical outlier. Of that when, yeah, when, considering when, when, we had we had two thirds possession. possession. Yeah, it yeah. just doesn't doesn't make sense. But anyway, uh, on the penalty, I take it you want to like Jota first one, um, yeah. Where yeah. R yeah. apparently said because it. They both were holding each other. Mutual holding. Mutual mutual holding. The fucking hell. Um, What the fuck is that? But that's this. this like the third game in a row. I think Jot has been manhandled in this manner. We haven't got a pen. So Mm. clearly he hasn't got a face or doesn't fall properly. Um, Mm. uh, Which apparently is what Sky said about the Diaz chance. Today, later on, the reason they didn't get a penalty because he fell theatrically, even though he was taken out, apparently. Um, which seems a bit of a surely if it's a foul, it's a foul, it's a foul it's a penalty. I, I would have thought the law was, but yeah, but it's David
2: on Barry. He is, a, yeah, yeah, the, a,
6: yeah. I have to say though, I do think we got away with Robo on um, Tony. I think that, yeah, yeah,
2: absolutely. It but it should
6: have been three pens to one, right? Uh, pretty much the <laughs> Jotter one. I can probably, I can. I can. Cut, it's not as clear as some of the other ones, right? I mean, the previous game at home against Burnley, Jota is literally pushed down, hands on. He's got two shoulders, two hands on his shoulder, and he's pushed to the ground. Right? That was a mm. pen to me. This one, I think it's a penalty, but it, I think it would have been a soft one. The tiny one is a penalty, and I think theres is a penalty. So I think it's. I think it's at least a penalty each, personally.
2: Yeah. Okay. Nicely done. That's not far. Um, Hamza. Um, so second half. Completely different patterns of play here. We're on top from the start. And Mo Salah is just like he's basically like he's never been away.
4: Yeah. uh, I mean, he had the chance earlier, which he toe poked uh, just wide on the break. And that was from a header forward from Van Dyke running behind. uh, And I think what he was trying to do there was just. Dink it the outside of his foot, but
2: as he creates a he creates a he does a lovely little wall pass for a chance for somebody as well. You see, who does he set up with that? Uh, he oh, is it another, Diaz, I
4: think so, but there's also another chance he had where Diaz put the ball across from the end of the first half as well. Yeah, uh, oh, one thing we probably should mention as well, uh, to and also Graf came on, and that was that yeah. was a lovely change, and uh, Graf played quite well. But I guess we can come come to that later. But just chronologically, we probably should mention that. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, then um, Salah does the amazing pass. Uh, so he actually, grabs involved in the goal, isn't he? Uh, yeah. Because... He, wins the he wins a ball. He wins. He okay. wins a nice ball. Wins the yeah. ball, holds it off, uh, holds a challenge off, plays it into Salah, and McAllister makes a run into the box. Uh, at this point, uh, Gakpo is also on because Nunez has come off with uh, with uh, muscle tightness. Uh and so McAllison makes the decision to join the attack because he grabs a bit deeper at this moment alongside Endo. Uh shimmies beautifully and then pokes it in. Uh, but yeah, uh Salah looked like he hadn't been away. He looked very sharp. Uh even when he's even though he missed that that those first two chances, that he was there for both of them, uh and that he that he was so threatening from the right, uh was just demonstrative of uh, where his game is at the moment. But yeah, he, he looked super sharp.
2: So Alexis McAllister's first uh, t- first shot inside the penalty box all season. Uh more to that, please. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Especially when you can finish like that, Mac. <laughs> yeah. Um Sai, uh, your thoughts on that Mo Salah assist? If you say so there's one angle from behind him that
3: um wide angle just after Grav wins the ball back, which Grav was really good today uh, in this game, um, rather than actual today that um he curls the ball with power into um max feet in the only the only place that he can receive the ball where the defender couldn't right at the right speed but the way you technically control a, uh, the ball curving outside in that way it would need like the in the in in uh, inside of your foot and you're going to get it before The large, big, the big toe um, starts to protrude from the foot and you curl your foot through an uh, through an arc inside, outside in. And Mo does this weird thing that he manages to get it to curl that hard whilst getting it from basically his toes, his toes without whipping his foot around. So it should have gone maybe, I don't know, five metres deeper than Mac towards our goal, away from goal, technically. And I don't know how it didn't. But if you look from that angle, it had no right to get to where it ended up going to. It was, it was a remarkable skill. He's, he, is, he is currently messy.
2: Yeah. I mean, he, he had two shots, a goal, a key pass and an assist within 40 minutes of coming back from injury.
3: Yeah. He had 34 touches. He had 21 of 21 passes. Uh he won the ball back three times. He lost the ball. He got uh, he lost the ball by missing the target twice. Um that's the only he, way. <laughs> two successful dribbles. Dribbled into the box five times. He
2: created the most You're like that's just mo. <laughs> yeah. So well, so you might as well keep the mic open, then Talk to us about his goal, please. Ah, oh, uh, there is there a better, is there a more Mo Salah goal
3: for Liverpool? <laughs> I saw a stat, um, uh, Bees put up a stat earlier that uh, it was the 50th counter-attacking goal that we'd scored under Klopp, and Mo has 21 of them. Wow. And And um, it looked like a Mo goal. <laughs> That's it. You break from the halfway line, he cuts across the defender and the, the defender tries as hard as he can to bobble the ball at some point, Mo just manages to, to keep control away from him by inches and slots it into the far corner. The strength of the man is absurd.
2: Yeah, it certainly is. Um, Barts, um, should we have a little bit of love for Ginger Kef?
6: Um, Two big chance saves in this match. Yeah, I thought... I actually thought in the first half when things were a bit uh aside a bit ropey at times, I, I looked careful to well his handling was good. A of the the free kicks that they were putting in the box he just calmly claimed, played it out. Um yeah. I thought his passing with his feet was was good as well. Um yeah. I just thought these yeah. games when he looks like mini Allison. Yeah he does. He, he he does the sweeping thing, he does that really well. I mean later on I think he's really unlucky. He makes a brilliant save for the Tony one. He just potentially could have pushed it a little bit wider but I mean Tony's there I, with, I with, don't when, it, when it's hit that firmly I don't. you can't
2: think about the parry Regular, there's also there's another,
6: I think Robbo's gone for a high press and means the whole defence has to push over which wins we leave Tony unmarked which is probably more the reason why he got tapping but you know I think there's a couple of other instances where he doesn't know the 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 shots are off target, but he still met palms out with the bar and puts it wide for corners and things. So I think I think this is one of, considering this is Brentford away, this is not a good. Even Ali's had poor games at Brentford away. I I thought he did really well. I thought, it, but there wasn't. I think there was anything to to fear. He's almost we're almost getting to that point of saying, okay, yeah, fine. He's not Ali, but he's not a bad keeper to have. Whereas I think previously we'd sort of sat there and gone. OK, um, what is he giving us, you know? So it, yeah, absolutely. It was a solid performance for there me. Was, it doesn't give me any worries now going in for the next one. He had a couple of very bad performances at the back of the last season, didn't he? Yeah, and he's been, uh, yeah. Uh, some of the Europa League games, he's, he's not looked great, uh, yeah. to be honest with you. But I think for me now, having seen him stood up, be part of a win at Brentford for an, in the opposition, I, I think for the next four games, I've got no worries. Uh, Hamza,
2: um, we talked about Alisson's injury. He's not likely to be back before the... Um, March international break, which is a which is a, a killer, um, but Kelleher um, he, he, you know, he he's he's really in good form at this point, right?
4: Yeah, uh, he was involved in the goal as well. It was his long pass into Gakpo that was nodded on uh, for Salah, uh, but yeah, yeah. Um, uh, often uh, yeah, uh, confidence is a phrase that's thrown about sort of. Often, but uh, it, it is very important, particularly for goalkeepers. Uh, just having rhythm is important to that too. Having a feel for the game, mm. uh, making big
2: chance saves helps as well. Yeah, and but the I, one from the corner, one from their, their first corner in, in stoppage time, that was a beauty.
4: Yeah, uh, and I think the when when a goalkeeper is when a second-choice goalkeeper becomes a first-choice goalkeeper, the, the team often will act differently around them. So, for example, yes. if the second-choice goalkeeper is playing in a cup match and they make an error, you'll just see, inevitably, there'll be a few players that just sort of scowl. And goalkeepers pick up on that very, very, very quickly. As in, the the ball go in the back of the net, they look up, and the first thing they see is one of their teammates just sort of remonstrating in a way that they wouldn't do with a first-choice goalkeeper. Yeah. However, when the second-choice goalkeeper has to become the first choice because the first choice is injured. Uh, As a senior player, as an outfield player, you you know you can't do that because you can't be sort of acting angrily with that goalkeeper because they need to be confident. You need to trust them. And if you start sort of scowling at them, there's no way that they're going to improve. Uh, So players act a bit differently. Um, And that helps, that just helps them feel comfortable in making their decisions and not having any sort of doubt with them. I mean, being able to 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 think clear, clearly and cleanly is, is key to being a goalkeeper knowing that you can go for a ball if it's in the air or come out of your box or feel confident playing out from the back is very important uh but yeah that that comes with rhythm that comes with trust uh that comes from playing with these players and making big saves uh, so yeah at the moment it's looking good uh, you don't want to get too far ahead of yourself as a second-choice yeah. goalkeeper.
2: Uh, the team cup final to play—he was always going to play the cup final, wasn't he? <laughs> anyway, but now he's got after a few big league games thrown in there as well.
4: But yeah, uh, even if he is playing like Allison uh, coming up to the after the international
2: break, uh, I think everyone wants Allison back for the season. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, and Phil, um, after um, you mentioned the Diaz penalty or the Diaz non-penalty, God, God knows how, when uh, there was, he was he was absolutely thwacked on his on his on his left leg, wasn't he? Um, mm-hmm. And then he gets his revenge by getting an assist where Brentford could have could, could have cut out his assist, but did two fresh air
6: shots. Yeah, Joe picks it up. Joe's on at this time, isn't he? Is his yeah fifth minute minute. Uh, Joe just picks up a, a loose. Loose ball after, I think they were throwing, and it falls to Joe. Joe just knocks it down the line. Uh, they make um, one mistake, it falls at, at Diaz. Diaz sees on it, plays it across, they make another mistake. And then Cody, he I, I doesn't have a habit have it, of just slotting these kind of goals away. I know I, he's got 10 goals now. I just yeah. never have thought he'd got 10 goals, but he just has his habit yep. of finding and the bottom it. corner. Of He's technically... Quite good at that kind of finish, I think. He, so, he, he, um, should, he definitely should shoot more often. He's the one yeah, player on our team should. you think he should shoot more. His shot volume is appalling, but it, 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 with that technique and the ability to find the corners as he does, it, and also, I think, what was the game? Was it Newcastle, where we basically said Darwin had done everything apart from hit it off his backside to score, and then Cody comes on, <laughs> literally miss hits it, and it goes in with his first <laughs> touch. It's like he has that ability to just do something that we're like, he yeah. just has that striking thing. He just should, yeah, definitely should shoot more. But no, I thought it was. All round, um, two mistakes. Again, that's something you wouldn't expect from a Brentford side. But um, I think they just changed their right, their right set centre half of the three with a sub, I think, at this time. So it was fresh in the game, I think. Um, so I think as Frank mentioned, that he, would, he probably wouldn't. um wasn't criticising the player. He just said that there's probably a sense he wouldn't make a game if he played again. So So, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, air shotting when you're 3-1 down and they've just scored as well. Yeah, probably not what you want to do, but I just thought
2: it was a nice bit of um vengeance from for Diaz in particular to be able to get that where you know he gets a nice cheap assist because he should have had a pen, shouldn't he? Yeah, he
6: definitely should have had a pen. Um, Diaz continually does, uh, you know, I do the profile plots. Diaz is again different from the other front three players. Uh, Mm. I would just I think uh, Jota and Mo profiled exactly the same for this game, which is probably what you want. Uh Nunes and Cody very similar in terms of their profiling, but Dennis is just—it's just different. He just has—he does a lot of jewels, but he takes a lot of shots. He, his contribution elsewhere is not—is—is is sort of almost on average or below. Um So yeah, and just to grab a bit of praise because because Hamza did say and size did it played well. I think the best thing I can say to him is that he profiles like an eight has done previously, whereas before. He was almost like our Diaz in midfield. So he profiles very similarly to Mac in this game, which is mm. what we needed him to do. He went in and did a role to the optimum of his ability for this moment in time, and it meant we got a result. And he that if he can do that for the remainder of time, I think he will only improve as a player. What we he hasn't been doing is been able to play the role as described to him in our system. I mean this for me is the profile him. He, he did it.
2: He's definitely improved. He's definitely improved since before Christmas. He's got four goals and three assists since Christmas. Yeah. So he has, he, he, and it, it, it's all-round contributions. I mean, obviously, he did go through a hell of a lot personally in in the
6: autumn. For sure, and like, but he's had. I mean, the Arsenal away was a game that he was particularly poor in. Uh, we, mm. we highlight that in the pod. So yeah, he, yeah. He's, he's learning. But I just think for this game, for looking at the profiles, this is the first time I've seen it in the profile plots where he's he's matched what our 8 should be doing. And I think that's a really good step forward for him. Excellent. Um, sorry, any other business
2: from you? Anything else for the remainder of the match? No, I thought Grav did well.
3: I thought... His possession control was minus six for the game in midfield. It's not terrible. It's not, it's, it's a big improvement on what we've been at.
2: Um, I liked him phys- I liked him physically. That's the first time I've come away from a game thing and I've liked him physically. He definitely looked like he was more willing to put himself about a bit in all So, part, I would say.
3: yeah, a couple of things that we don't get access to that they will instantly is, uh, the, is so we'll occasionally get access to sprints, um, which is uh, is Opta originally Opta Statsport has uh, uh, decided uh, that the there's a threshold of anything over uh, seven point five meters per second is called a sprint, so it's yeah. counted. So, we, um, but if you get uh, if you're using Statsport or if you're using any of the big uh, GPS companies, you can set it so that um, you have five zones. Mm-hmm. Um and uh, intensity zones, and you'll set that up mostly individual for the that player. So, if a player can uh, uh, if a player can hit nine point three meters per second, that's the peak, and then you set that fifteen percent below there as their okay. sprint speed. Interesting. Their top speed.
2: So that you can almost like program sprints per individual, almost a sprint yeah, relative. Yeah, to that yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. yeah, yeah.
3: fascinating because because John Terry would sprint. <clears throat> But his, but it might not register. James uh, it means John Terry, but because yeah. he actually would, he he actually still really quick. Yeah. Um, yeah. it's just that compared to a Premier League player, he's not. So um, yeah, so you you would. We only get access to the number of sprints. Yes. Right? So. Um, My point is that what what the club will have access to is those specific zones or what we call high-intensity running or high-speed running. They're two different zones. Um, And without a shadow of a doubt, his high-intensity running in this game was the highest I've seen at Liverpool.
2: Yeah.
3: And that comes about from, we can be kind, confidence of position, of role, so Mm. he doesn't second-guess himself or intent because he's not sulking. Whatever. Doesn't matter. Yeah. I, just, I, just just not jogging. Jog, just not one. jogging.
2: Not jogging. Not jogging, throwing his hands up in the air and th- and having a sulk because he just yeah. gave the ball away. There was in a stature, there was zero flounces in this game as well, which is always good. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, Hamza, any more any other business spots? Uh,
4: no, uh, I watched Luton the other day against Manchester United. Uh, Manchester United were, were dreadful. Uh, they pressed for 10 minutes, then dropped off, and then sort of got dominated, uh, even though they had a two goal lead. Uh, but they gave up most opportunities on the counter attack, uh, as in that, that Luton did. So there's plenty of opportunities there for Liverpool if, if for some reason they don't want to dominate possession and pick them apart. But yeah, uh, nothing beyond that in terms of preview. Uh, I forget, you mentioned. Calhoun. I probably should have mentioned his save that he uh, it did. It, I mean, Tony scored from it, but the first save was really good. Uh, so Regular, yeah. Uh, but yeah, uh, beyond that, not 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 too much. Lovely stuff. But can we can I?
3: Can, sorry, can I just point out, Darth, that if you look at the XG in this game, it greatly uh, flatters them. In the this uh, time, after we'd scored three, they had point four one XG. So we just, at that point, we'd done in the game and we were just yeah. resting.
2: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they 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 definitely piled it on in garbage time, for sure. Um, but we will be back um, next Monday to review the, the cup final and also the Luton match. And until then, it's time to get the bunting out, everybody. Up the fucking reds.
1: We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show.